Six Gun Productions. New media, new rules. Everybody, thanks for thanks for turning up. Welcome to kind of Linux Outlaws. I'm Fab from Hamburg, and I'm Dan from Liverpool. It's almost like back in the day. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Um, it's lovely to see all of you here. So, for the people, anyone who might listen to this recording and think this is odd and it sounds a bit different, for the benefit of anyone at home, we're in a room with I don't know about hundred odd people at Og Camp in Manchester. So, make some noise so people can hear. <laughs> That works. Thank you. That's excellent. So, yeah, um, what are we doing? <laughs> so, basically, what we are doing is uh, I thought it would be a good idea to have kind of a show. People were saying it's like a podcast, and I'm really anal about podcasting, so I'm like, it's not really a podcast. We don't have an RSS feed, but I think I might make just an RSS feed just for this one, one item. Yeah, yeah. So, so, okay, yeah. an RSS um, feed with one item. Yeah, yes. So, I thought we'll, we'll talk about it. It's now been five years since we stopped the show. Five years. Yeah. Do you feel old? I do. Um, yeah. And uh, I thought we'll we'll talk about what has happened in the in the Linux and open source world since we've uh, stopped the show. Yeah, so we we did our last episode in um, December, I think, of 2015. Was that right? 2014, 14, I think. 2014. Yeah. So um, yeah, just all, just about five years. Um, nothing's really changed, does it? Nothing to talk um, about. Well, I, I actually have some. Notes. I was actually. I, so the first thing I have to say, I was actually excited before doing this. I had some like. A little bit of stage fright. I haven't had that for ages. You know when we didn't do a show for like two weeks and we used to start like we still we don't know how this goes anymore. Yeah, this is a whole different level of that. Five years. Yeah. So I actually have some notes which which never happened while we were doing LO. Not really. Um, So Mm -hmm. obviously the first thing we have to talk about. um, I can see some people from Red Hat in the audience. Um, So the (laughs) the first thing that has obviously happened is that uh, IBM has bought Red Hat. Um, Yeah. Which is something I didn't see coming. You didn't see it coming. No. So, uh, interestingly, I can give you a little bit of... Um, it's not insider knowledge here or anything, but you say you didn't see it coming. I was at the week before this was announced, on the Saturday and Sunday, I was in Edinburgh for um, the Linux Foundation um, Open Source Summit conference in in Edinburgh. And um, IBM were there in force. Uh, Red Hat were there in force. Some very senior people of both okay. companies <laughs> who didn't seem to know anything about it or are very good actors. Um, I don't know which, but the, nobody seemed to know anything about it. And then, like, literally 12 hours later, the news drops and they seemed very surprised. So I don't know if it was just at the very top level that, like, maybe Jim Whitehurst knew and <laughs> whoever else. But, um, yeah, it was a real surprise to a lot of people. I, I, w- I had always thought, like, Canonical would get bored. Like, I think even when we were doing the show, remember, I was always going, like, they, they, mm. they're looking, obviously looking for that. They're going to be bought by somebody. Uh, I always thought Microsoft, I think. You thought Microsoft would buy Canonical. Yeah. Could still happen. Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. So are, they, <laughs> are they next, do you think? Um, maybe, maybe. Um, I'm not sure. See, the, the interesting thing with um, with the Red Hat situation is that um, I'm, I'm going to get all kind of hippie on you as usual, as you expect, <laughs> but um, people were like, you know, oh, it's so terrible what's happened to this company and all the rest of it, and I appreciate that, and they weren't necessarily happy with being bought by IBM, but as much as we like Red Hat's business model, and they're a great company, great people there and so on, they're a public company. They were liable for being bought. You float on the stock market to get the money. You leave yourself open to people buying the shares that you may maybe necessarily didn't. Well, not, not in this case, but you know, a hostile takeover, and, and it's not what this was as such, but it's yeah. possible. So, unfortunately, not to be too kind of flippant, I was a bit like, if you're really upset about that, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. If you want that money from your IPO and all the rest of it, you got to be prepared to the fact that someone might take you over. And obviously Canonical is not a public company, although yeah. I read um, actually last week uh, they were reporting their, their, you know, their loss. Actually, I think they had a turnover of about 100 million and uh, they still made a loss of 9 million. 
Um, and so and I read on Pharonix, uh, <coughs> they were speculating that uh, next year Canonical would go IPO, would have an IPO. And I'm like, how can they have an IPO? They've lost money ever since the company existed. Who's going to buy the shares? That's not a point where you have an IPO, is it? I don't know. It's an interesting one. Maybe somebody wants to write off some tax or something. Um, <laughs> somebody. I don't know how that works. Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, Somebody who was in space. <clears throat> the other kind of conspiracy theorist angle is, is it somebody putting out FUD stories who wants to buy the company about how badly they're doing to push their price down. On Pharonix. So they can buy it cheaper. <laughs> On Pharonix. Yeah. There okay. you go. Right. Uh, don't like, trust yeah. anyone. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I don't know. But um, I'm not sure. I mean, Canonical is a different situation because, as you say, they're privately owned. It's down to Mark and whoever else, Shuttleworth, to decide whether that would happen or not. Um, so I don't know. I can't see them getting bought. They're still they're still going. And as far as the Red Hat thing goes, I mean, I don't know, I don't have any insider information about this, but I think so far Red Hat, have, the people at Red Hat, have, have t it's turned out to be okay. Um, yeah. Maybe things um, haven't oh. changed massively yet because these big, like IBM's such a big corporation that things move quite slowly, and maybe they haven't commenced making all the changes they want to make. I don't know. But from what I've heard, they, they're very much just like, you do your thing, you be Red Hat. We're just going to slot you in here in our kind of hierarchy and you carry on doing what you're going to do. I don't know. Well, so so far, like the people I've talked to are pretty happy with it. But then, you <coughs> know, you go, then. The, when SUSE was bought, that was, I don't know, who did the buy them? Novell. Kind of, Novell bought, but Sears. like some afterwards, some company like oh, there was know, an, uh, and there was said there yeah. was said we don't we we're not changing anything on you know with, with Sousa they're just mm. going to do their thing and if you talk to people from there that did change quite a lot yeah I don't know the name of the company I know what you mean it was like a private equity firm yeah that bought one, them that one, and yeah. they said yeah they wanted to move everyone from Germany to America <laughs> <laughs> so that was a slight change for the people who work there. Right. Mm. Yeah. So, and obviously, the the other thing that that has happened recently, basically, was Microsoft buying GitHub. Right. Mm. Um, what do you think about that? Would they, you know, there was talk yesterday on the panel about that a little bit. Yeah, about the Microsoft thing and GitHub and so on. Um, I don't know. How I feel about. It. I mean, it doesn't make much difference to me, uh, really. But the thing is. <laughs> Again, to be a real hippie about it, GitHub's proprietary anyway. So <laughs> if you're worried about you know software freedom and stuff, maybe don't put it all on a platform that's proprietary in the first place. Yeah, I think, yeah, but everybody's doing that. Now, it's right? already I on there. I, I mean, all, all, all open source is on GitHub, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, I know everybody uses Literally it. everything. Yeah, you're right. Um, so, yeah. But I'm making the argument for a lot of people who might listen to this and go, ah, oh, but it's proprietary anyway. Yeah, true. Yeah, so. you're, you're right on that. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I I didn't feel comfortable with with that when when they bought GitHub. So you use GitLab, don't you, quite a bit? Yeah, I I I I, <laughs> I, I moved. Uh, my I not not that I'm a coder, right? But like mm -hmm. I moved moved some stuff to GitHub mainly to try it out and see. Like, and I have to say, still GitHub's interface is a lot better. Mm. But I I feel like you can do anything mm. you can do on there on GitLab as well. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we had some tutorials on Git recently at, um, at Does Liverpool, the, the makerspace that there's some people in from Does Liverpool who are around. There you go. Um, Alex <laughs> is on the balcony. He's from Does Liverpool. He's waving for people at home. Um, yeah, we had some tutorials at the log about using Git, and it's amazing how many people don't know the difference between Git and GitHub. <laughs> No, okay. what I mean is That's they think, scary. so some things are things that GitHub have added that are features of GitHub yeah. that are nothing, not Git features. Yeah. And people don't know, they think oh. that, that it's the same thing. And it's fair, I mean, if you're a casual kind of user or something, you may assume that, you know, that it's the same thing, but actually it's not at all. So I, I found this, them buying GitHub interesting mostly because, I mean, for people who don't know, back back when we were thinking about a name for Linux, Out, Linux Outlaws, um, I kind of, I think I kind of came up with the name, right? And mm, I don't want to say anything so, wrong. Yeah. But like the the feeling I had back at the time, this was when Microsoft was going on. You know, Linux is a cancer, and it's it's. I think they said it's un-American. That that's yeah. that's not bad in my mind. But you know, if you're American, that's quite an insult. Well, it's global, um, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so so I, I felt like we were kind of like the, the the underdogs, the outsides, because Microsoft was kind of painting Linux as kind of like this this outlaw kind of thing, you know, like they were putting it in the same uh, corner as 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 piracy and and stuff like that. And I think if we were to do the show, if we were still doing the show, we can't really 
we couldn't even yeah we couldn't call ourselves that anymore based on that you know on that idea that maybe we're like yeah. the underdogs because we're not anymore i mean microsoft is doing yeah they're doing a lot they of had money. stallman yeah at, so at that's the, something i thought you might mention yeah when when stallman was still head of the fsf mm. uh you know he was uh, he was given he was giving a talk at microsoft in london yeah, I mean, that was a, something I never thought I'd see, I'll be honest. In, yeah. Uh, that was RMS going to Microsoft to give a talk. Um, so, you know, regardless of what you think of him or whatever's happened since, it's a, it was a, quite a sea change in, you know, in, in attitudes among, because, I mean, FSF were very anti, as you'd expect, and, and all the rest of it. But um, it was quite interesting to see him go over there. Um, what did he talk about? Does anyone know? Software freedom, did I think. Did he do his usual talk? Yeah, I think. He did his usual talk. Okay, I, don't, that's, that's I, cool. I, I don't know if he did the St. Ignatius thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe. So, quickly about Stallman, right? While we're at this, I found this a bit weird. So, okay, I don't want to say that I don't understand why he was kicked out of the FSF. Obviously, it's quite understandable. You just the did, stuff so he said. I'm joking. <laughs> um, but I feel like, you know, we read Stallman's, like, emails you know the, the, the public email stuff for years mm -hmm. and he's you know i can remember we, on, on lo this came up i mean he was saying this stuff for forever it's just so weird to me that they, that they now suddenly yeah. kicked him out for that well, he had a problematic yeah history on that and i think maybe it was you know it's, it's a cliche but it's like this camp this show that broke the camel's back because he'd been doing it for so long but um I think if you read the, um, which you've probably read, the Software Freedom Conservancy, who yep. were, were friends of ours, they were the ones who called for him to be to leave, basically, in, in the wake of this. Um, and reading their statement, it was really well put. They just said, we don't believe that this organization, could, organization can be represented at the head by somebody who has these beliefs, who publicly says this. I was actually quite upset at that statement. Were you? Yeah, because I let's not name names, but everybody knows who I'm talking about. Yeah, the, the people that run Conservancy mm. have were very close with Stallman in the past. Yeah, and like they must have, you know, they know that he's like this. I yeah. mean, um, it it, I, it it felt a bit hypocritical to me to go. Well, now we can't, we can't, you know, he can't well, represent maybe us anymore. He's got more extreme in that view. I, I don't, don't think things he has, do change. He has, you know, they, they, he, he said some horrible stuff in the past. Well, yeah, um, it's a difficult one, yeah. But I mean, I think it's it's sad, really, that the whole thing. I mean, it's sad that that's happened. It's sad that he has he apparently has that view as well. Um, but I don't know. It's a case of where do you go from here? Like, for the FSF? I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, this could be very controversial, but I feel like... like. Do you think they'll get bought by Microsoft? <laughs> Not I don't. I don't feel like they're that relevant anymore. Like, we can have, we can put a case for the FSF because they're... Sorry, I was just going to say, I'm sure we've got FSFE representatives around, so be careful. I, well, <laughs> I'm always careful. No, but, you know, I've, I mean, you, the, the FSF has, has an important role in, like, stewarding the GPL, mm -hmm. right? But that there was, I, 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 there was this argument about GNU, you know, that that Stalman still head of the GNU project, and I'm like, right. what's the GNU project do? <clears throat> like, what does the GNU project yeah. do? Why are they relevant? Um, they're still right. I mean, well, what about like Emacs? And so people still use <laughs> Emacs. I don't use it, but people do. Okay. And you've got the things like uh, GCC, which people still use. Okay, GCC is like, probably the, the relevant. tools yeah. that were used in GNU Utils, LibC. Okay. So they, they do have some relevance. Okay, you, you, you made an argument there. I think although... I'll take, I take uh, GLibC and It's interesting because I'm not usually... Emacs the, is not an argument. No, no. <laughs> I'm not usually the one who's on that side of the argument always. But, I mean, I think if you took out um, whatever you think about the naming of Linux and should it be GNU plus Linux or GNU slash Linux and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't really matter. If you took either one of those away, they wouldn't work properly together. Do you know what I mean? As a desktop or as a server OS, I mean, you might be in some better Linux kernel and BusyBox and so on. Right. But in most systems, like desktop systems, for example, you need the GNU tools to make it useful. And you might not see them all in your face going, hey, look at this, it's got a fancy logo. But if they weren't there, you'd notice. Right. Yeah, it's my opinion on it. Yeah, true. But like, they're also like open source, right? If, if the GNU project would go away, people Somebody would, would still maintain over. that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. I just feel like, like compared to the Linux part, where like if you if you took Linus out mm. of the L Linux development, well, something that happened in the five years we've been away is he did take a break. Yes, he. D oh, yes, that was that was another thing. Now that you bring it out like that, that was that that was something I thought I'd never see. Like he actually apologized for being. Uh, 
offensive. Offensive to yeah. people, which I thought, you know, he was always one of my heroes because he never did that. And I liked him for that. Um, so I was kind of disappointed when he when he When, when he, he apologized. Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah. I think, I thought it was quite, it was, it showed growth in a way. I don't know. <laughs> you did see that since he you started offending people. Yeah, yeah, I knew he'd go back to doing what he was doing before. Probably. I'm also I'm also biased because you know I I'm writing about Linux. That was always the best story. Um, how many stories I had on Heiser? Basically, uh, Linux calls these people stupid beeps. I'm trying mm. to be COC compliant here, by the way. Good. I hope you you're noticing. Yeah, um, that was always great headlines. Like those stories get lots, lots, lots. Free it draws readers. attention, but is it the right kind of attention? Is it attention that you want for someone being so doing you know offensive and heinous and the rest of it? Is that the, like people who aren't involved in any How of this and people people who are? If that's their interaction with, oh, what's this Linux thing? Oh, look at this. It's just popped up in the news. Just oh, it's this because guy the guy who started it, it has said X Y Z. I'm yeah. not sure that's entirely positive. You could have not. I, I, no, it's probably not entirely positive. I always liked it because it shows like a different, you know, even when you're coming from the outside, hmm. you see there's like, there's normal people doing it. It's not a company run thing, right? There's right. actually, you, you can, you have actually people on mailing is saying quite, I mean, it doesn't have to be offensive things. The other part is they're actually saying what they're thinking, you know, and you don't, you don't get that. Like it do, when, when do we see Red Hat, like, communicating to the outside somebody actually saying what they they couldn't they, do that well yeah. there are two or three people that will <laughs> but like you know it's not a it's not it's not but the interesting thing, thing when it comes to, to linus is that um and that situation is that you say that he's he is very much an individual and it, all right, it's not run by a company and all the rest of it but i can tell you like i can't tell you categorically i don't know it for certain but i can be pretty damn sure that he pretty much has to toe the line to what the Linux Foundation want now yeah, pretty, in terms yeah, of that. Too. And they're a massive corporate, heavily, heavily corporate organization. Yeah. They do some good things. I'm not here to badmouth them, but they are very corporate, clean, squeaky clean. We will not be involved I'm in that. I'm pretty sure. And, and I'm yeah. sure they pay his wages. Yeah. They and Not that he wouldn't get a job somewhere else or he couldn't make money somewhere else, because of course he could. But he is he has a boss who tells him what to do now. I and I'm not sure he always follows it, but he very much gets told the corporate line. And when he comes out and says something really offensive, he will hear about it from the people upstairs. I think he took that break because he got a call I from I was just gonna say Jim I'm not Zeppelin. sure that break was his idea. Yeah, no, I don't think yeah. you yeah, yeah, you're you're probably right. Um yeah. Um so I, I just uh, so maybe this is this is me and Vancouver. I mean, we obviously had reasons to stop doing LO and we explained that back in the day and you know I'm still mm -hmm. losing using Linux every day but it's not like my focus and I've I've shifted like in my writing and my thinking about things I've you know also because I started writing about security I, I shifted my focus a lot and I personally think so I'm going to put forward this theory and okay. see what you think um, when we started Linux Outlaws I felt very much that the battleground in computing was software freedom I mean, it's very important to me. This is why we started the show. Mm. I thought that is that is the hill I choose to die on. That's the important thing. Um, and I don't feel like that anymore. In the last few years, I feel I feel like the current battleground we have is privacy. That, yeah, actually, I would agree with you that that's a real concern at the moment. And privacy I, and so on. And I feel like there was for a long time there was this argument: if we just have free software, open source, whatever you want to call it, if we have enough of that we can prevent a lot of other things, you know? Yeah. And we have seen in the last 10 years mm -hmm. um, with, with Google, with Facebook, with all of this Alexa, Amazon, we've seen, they all use open source, mm. a lot of it. It doesn't help us one bit. It's, yeah, do they contribute back? Yeah, Yeah. well, even they do contribute back, but that doesn't help. Like if, if they, if all they're like, you know, we're going to track you everywhere, well, for example, you talk about source. Yeah, open source, like, and I don't think it is open source, but features like Facebook login. You know, I'm writing a website. They want me to, hey, you could use our login system and just have a button on it that says login with Facebook and login with Twitter and all the rest of it. I mean, we all know why they want that. It's fairly obvious because well, then yeah. you've logged into their system effectively. And you're, if you run that site, you're, you're you spreading their software. Yeah. 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 Um, I, so do you think if we started the show today, if this was yeah, the first ever show, would it be called GDPR Outlaws? <laughs> uh, well, it's not a bad... It's not got the same ring to it, though, has it, really? We're too late. If we'd done this when they and started pri privacy with Privacy Outlaws just sounds like something not tech-related, probably. Pri privacy Outlaws. To be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. 
We think of a name. We'll, we'll, we'll work on that. No, mm. but I seriously think if, if I was going to do a show with you today, if we're going to do a new show, um, I would do it more on that. And I've, I've personally mm. switched my interest in podcasting a lot to politics, not, not only because that always interested me, but I feel that's, you know, where that intersects, that is the, that to me is the interesting thing right now. I actually started finding you know, the, the whole open source Linux thing, a, a, a bit boring. I was like, yeah, okay, we, we have all this and we've made all these advances. Oh, oh, he's um, holding up a sign that now says... Every, you're all familiar with the year, if you've listened to the show over the years, you'll be familiar with the, the constant battle that I had was trying <laughs> to tell Fab how much time we had and how much when we had to finish. So um, I've come up with some helpful visual aids and I'm just going to kind of... I thought you were throwing it at me. It's like, ah, yeah. paper cut, so, paper um, cut. Ugh. No, we want to we we get the audience yeah. involved. So we've got five minutes until we do the, cus the customer, the audience questions. Customer <laughs> questions. What's we, you you got all, all... Right to reply. you you got all <laughs> corporate on me. Um, yeah, so I think we, we, can, we can also ask, ask, ask you yeah. guys about this. What, what do you think? But I, for me, that, that is the really scary thing. But because if you think, if Amazon... I mean, they haven't done this, but like, let's say, let's say Alexa would be 100%, might even be GPL, right? GPL. We, yeah, right. GPL. We all have the code. It's all great. It's like all this smart home stuff, but they keep all the data. Like, mm. that is our problem right now. Mm. I mean, our problem for a long time was that we were both such a big proponents of a GPL mm. because if you only have GPL and then all the web, web services are proprietary mm -hmm. and that solved the problem. But I think we need something. We need like the data GPL now. Like we need the AD GPL or something. Yeah. Um, there, there must be, this is one we can ask the audience in a second, but there must be licenses for your data as well. There are. That would be yeah. like, you know, you could maybe say, you know, this, this project works under this software license and this data license and you the data is not I think it's it's anyone. really hard to do because like obviously um you don't want like you don't want that data to be public right right okay so oh yeah i, I, I yeah, didn't yeah, want yeah, i, I didn't i wouldn't want to be all the alexa data public that yeah, wouldn't true. be better yeah. but like i i wouldn't i don't know how you would solve that problem but i think that is the next also there's a built-in kind of problem here that in the as you you've just pointed out which is very 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 good point. Um, the data, you want it to be private. So um, in the companies that use the data and collect the data, we don't know what they've got, how they've got it. So when they say, oh, don't worry, we, we don't keep it. We've, we have to all believe that they're doing what they say they're doing because by nature, we don't know what they've got and what they haven't got because it's supposed to be private. So there's like this inherent problem. And how do you solve that? I've solved it right now. I had, a, on, I had an on, excellent then. idea. We put it all in the blockchain. Uh, Fair enough. I think that's how you solve that problem yeah. these days. Then, obviously, it's creating all this CO2, uh, and then we have a whole different problem, and we <laughs> need to solve that. It's a, it feels like every problem we you solve in here yeah. is adding another problem. Or but two. Isn't, isn't that how it always went? Mm. Isn't that like isn't that like all of uh, possibly, possibly? I feel yeah, I feel yeah. like that. Maybe I'm just getting old. Maybe I'm just getting too old. There's for a definite class. theme here. You're like, I don't know why I've changed my opinion, but now I can't be bothered with this, that, and the other. <laughs> and this, I just want to do this and that. And I think a lot of that, to be honest, is getting older because the things that you're like, yeah, maybe. I will never get tired of spending 15 hours trying to make this work. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's brilliant that people do that. But um, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you anyway, so I've maybe obviously hit that point first. But these days, I used to change Linux distribution every week, every single week on my one machine that I needed to do everything on. Because I was like, <laughs> if I don't do this properly, if I don't use this system the way I need to use it as my main computer, I'm not really testing it. I'm not really reviewing it. So when I was like 10... 12 years ago, 15 years ago, I was happy to do that. But now, there's no way I'm doing that. That was, that. Even, that was no quite mad. That. I, come, I come home, I press the computer, turn it on. I don't want to be reinstalling it every time I want to do something. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think for me, uh, partly, I think I get, you get older and you think, I've got other things to do or I just don't want to do anything. So speaking, in my, of, in, so in my case. speaking of other things to do, to wrap this up. Uh, well, we've got, we've got 15, 20 minutes well, before that we, we want to talk to. Before you. we go yeah. into the audience question, yeah. I just wanted to ask you, so what, is your, what, are, you, what are your plans? What, what are you going to do next? Right, so. Just this afternoon? Or <laughs> no, generally. Like, generally you know, what am I going to do next? Um, open source, podcasting, like... So, I, yeah, I mean, I, um, we talked about what's happened in the five years that um, 
that since we stopped doing the show. Um, so we stopped the end of 2014 and about kind of this time in 2015, uh, my life changed quite dramatically when, um, and if you want to, you know, if you want to look this up, it's all on my blog. It's all, you know, I'm not going to go on and on about it, but I ended up going into hospital, having cancer treatment, all that kind of stuff, um, which changes your life quite a lot. Um, and spent like two, three years unable to do anything really, uh, not a lot of stuff. So I don't know. Now I'm at this point where I'm getting to a point where I'm like emerging into the world. Well, I'm already out there, but you know, emerging back into the world and thinking, what am I going to do? What do I want to do? And I think what I want to do is I'm still doing podcasts and I'll continue to do that. In fact, um, Caroline's here. We do Tales of the Unattested. I'm just going to get a plug in there. Uh, it's our podcast. This is what I was setting up. Check it out. Um, it's at unattested.club or Google Tales of the Unattested. Dot club. Um, I'd love that URL, by the way. Dot it club, sounds yeah. slightly uh, seedy. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> that's probably the point, to be honest. Dot co.uk, I think, works and some others, but dot club sounds more fun. You know, you know how I've ever said I've, you know, I'm not really reading comics? Right, okay. I've changed my ways recently. Mm. Um, and I've dis I've discovered I'm I'm reading all the back issues of Judge Dredd. Ah, excellent! Which yeah. is actually quite yeah, yeah. good. Judge Dredd's great. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm still be doing geeky stuff like that. Um, still writing, but mostly I'm, what I want to do next, ideally, um, is start doing music properly again. Would be nice. Um, I don't know what form that will take. Would it be any good? Probably not. But you know, be nice yeah, to, to concentrate my on. efforts and energy and health and stuff on making music. I think for me. Cool. What's your? What are you going to do next? Well, well, I'm gonna. You're gonna carry on doing what you're doing. I'm gonna. Or? Yeah. So I'm. 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 I'm doing podcasts. I'm currently in the middle of uh, changing all all my podcasts around, but uh, I, I still want to do podcasts. I, I, I love doing them. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going. I'm trying currently trying to do more on my own, not because I kind of don't like other people, which which is a reason, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, it's it's more like uh, you know I want to try if I can get that done and then you can decide like I'm I for people who don't know um, I used to when when we were still doing LO I was uh, mm -hmm. working for Heiser yeah. and I quit that job at the beginning of this year uh, to go freelance and now I'm, I'm still mm -hmm. writing for them but I now basically plan my own time and, and you can and write for other people I can work for other people as well but mm -hmm. like I've now I I don't plan so much like I've, if I have downtime I can just record a podcast. Which is that's cool. Which is quite, which is yeah. quite nice. Yeah, so that's pretty good. A um, lot, lot of Magic the Gathering <laughs> podcasts. We've coming. got about fifteen minutes, eighteen minutes, twenty minutes, nearly. To uh, I think I want to talk to all these people who are here and get some right thoughts, questions, opinions. Brace, brace um, for the hate from the Red Hat people. Question <laughs> or a point or something they'd like to make. If you raise your hand, we've got a radio mic here. Um, we've got Will. We've got Will. Thank you, Will. Um, who's going to run around with the mic? Um, anybody got any questions? Or we've got one right there. That's nice and easy. That's good. Uh, are your connections still good enough that perhaps next year you'll be able to do another episode on the Expanse? That was a good one in your. Oh yeah, sure. I should. I should. I should do that. I should. Yeah, I definitely. Um, so I did a. We, on. On, so on I know about the Expanse. I'm yeah. just wondering, you did, what, what's the episode you did on the Expanse? Uh, we did two episodes of Geek News Radio uh, where uh, okay. we interviewed yep. uh, the guy. So there's a there's a linguist in the US who, if you're not aware of the Expanse, you should be. It's the, it's great great books, good TV show on Amazon now. Used to be on Netflix. It's, it's on Amazon. Now um, it's great. Uh, and there's this guy who they have this language they invented uh, for the books, which was quite rudimentary. And they got an actual uh, linguist in who invented a language, kind of like Klingon in Star Trek. Although he, when we interviewed him, he said, "So Klingon was basically it was a linguist going, um, how can we make, how can we take all the different hard parts from all these languages and make a language that is Im impossible to pronounce." And that's how they came out with Klingon. And he actually tried to make a language that is sensible. Like okay. that, and, and I tried to learn it and failed. Interesting. It's called Belter. It's called what? Belter. Belter. Yeah, because the guys... That's a the, very northern name. Well, the it's guys... A, it's a Belter. You would actually like... So the expanse is basically, just very quickly, mm. uh, there, there are three factions in it. One is Earth, which is ruled by the United Nations. 
Uh, then Earth had a colony on Mars. They became independent, so they're the Martians. And then there's the Belters, who are the guys who are in the asteroid belt mining everything for the inner oh, planets. Oh, I get it now, yeah. And yeah. There's an, you, can, you can map these three factions to the software world quite neatly. So Earth is Windows. Everybody's running that. If nobody has a job, they're all running on uh, basic uh, income. Uh, it's, it's quite... quite Not a, Microsoft Basic. No, <laughs> but Windows. that fits you said as Windows, well. They're all yeah, yeah. On basic. It's 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 so it's a bit it's a bit mm -hmm. shitty, but everybody uses it. Then you have Mars. They they have all these new ships, new technologies. They're very sparkly. It just works. Mm -hmm. So they're obviously Apple, and so the Belters are us. They're like the open source people. They just live on rocks and okay. uh, and you know build spaceships out of old junk mm. uh, that are quite cool. So they and sound like makers almost. Yeah, they're like space makers. Space and, and, makers, and that's a good name. They have the best haircuts. So if you haven't watched The Expanse, do that now. Space makers would be a good name for a podcast, I think. That is, you man. Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay. We're going to talk about this later. There you go. You've just witnessed that. I don't know what it is. but Anyway, um, more uh, questions. Yeah, has anybody got a question or an opinion? Or we have Adam there. Oh, it's Adam Sweet. Feel the bass. And he looks... <laughs> Get him on the mic. He looks <laughs> not <laughs> hungover. I'm, a, I'm actually okay today. Uh, yesterday morning was pretty grim, so I uh. took it easy last night. First of all, Dan, I said this to you on Friday. It's great to see you back. Oh, I missed you, you for a couple yeah, of years. Very nice. Good to see oh. you well. That's very kind. Really, really, the purpose of my question is to try and set you for the next episode of Linux Outlaws in about five years' time. Mm -hmm. And so you've talked about what's happened in the last five years. What mm. can you see coming in the next five? Wow. Good question. Um, um, what do you think? Okay, personally, I th I think to go in like like I think we're gonna have a lot more discussions in society around um, Facebook and what I like to call propaganda and what other people like to call fake news, which I think is a bad thing, mm. bad name. But yeah. that you know, like the the whole thing about manipulate manipulating voting. Mm. Um, all of this man manipulating society. Um, I think we are not. Like we've so we've built the internet, which is great, right? It's a tool where everybody can get access to all of the world's knowledge at their fingertips. Which you know, when we were born, that wasn't around, and we grew up with that, and it's uh, quite amazing. Could, yeah. And we all thought, well, this is gonna, this is gonna. When I was young, I was just gonna revolutionize humanity. It's all gonna be great. Turns out, if you give everybody access to information, you also give everybody access to publish information, mm. which turns out that. Yeah, there's also a lot of wrong stuff on the internet. You mentioned like access to all the information for um, the older members in the audience, maybe. Um, I remember when my granddad first heard about teletext. <laughs> um, no, seriously, I mean. So when was this? He was. Uh, when was this? Um, oh, I was a kid, like, but he got a TV with teletext. It was in the eighties. In the eighties, yeah. He got a okay. TV and it had teletext on it. And he, he absolutely loved it. Um, and I was like, and that was access to information at the push of a button. I mean, it wasn't the internet, obviously, but um, it was really interesting. So, I mean, there were ways of getting information. They weren't as good. Yeah, yeah but, but, but people would be on like the holiday page, the flights page or whatever, you know, on teletext, checking the football scores, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, what I mean is like the, the thing you see right now with the press and there's lots of discussions about fake news and, and the press and stuff. I think our society is still used to, um, you know, people basically having a printing press. So mm. like you having uh, newspapers and television stations and quite a few of them. And it would be special if you have a printing press or if you control the content you publishing right and that there would go lots of work would go into checking that and everything and now basically anybody like us can make a podcast mm. and then it's like really popular and then pe people take their information from that scary and, that isn't it? yeah and then <laughs> uh, yeah scary. it's very scary so i, I think yeah. this is going to be the that's going to be the next thing that and uh all well, the all that. the hell that's going to happen when everybody sure has I a like smart that. home yeah i'm not i'm not sure how much, i mean i love the democratization of like you know everyone can has access to say well, you know, what they think or believe, but then it leads to, and, you know, just my political opinions, but it leads to the likes of Alex Jones, who, you know, info wars and all that kind of stuff. That, and I well, really, I, had, to, I I really had to be careful very, not to... Very entertaining. Like, Maybe I was entertaining, but it's worrying though. that you just said it, that people listen to something like yeah. that and go, oh, that's true. And and sure, they could do that with traditional media and, and who's to say they were telling the truth in the always, but just feels a bit worrying. But in terms of uh, in five years, like technology-wise, just to give a more of a techie kind of question, um, this has already happened a lot in a long ways, but I think um, this is not a, a revelation to anyone, but I do think like phones will just become your main computer. It kind of already is for me in a lot of ways. 
just a portable device, but I mean to the point where, and we don't get it started about Ubuntu projects that didn't work out and so on, but a dock or something <laughs> that you could just dock your phone into, say on that workstation, and this is your computer, this is your main oh, yeah, computer. convergence. Rather than like, yeah, so, so I mean, it already happens for me. I've got a laptop, but I don't need to use the laptop very often because if I go out, I can do everything I need to on the phone. And I could even potentially hook that up to the projector and do a presentation with it and everything else. I think in five years, that'll just be even more It was common. a revelation for me. So two years ago, I think, uh, we, I, I, we went on holiday to Fiji. And Fiji is like, there's like these little islands and they, they, even, they don't even have like running water mostly and they don't have computers like we went uh, to look at I'd the school I'd be amazed if they didn't have running water but they had computers well, well just, one, just wait for the punchline we focused all so, our effort on one so they had a school room. and they had actually had computers in there which were like Macs that were like 15 years old mm -hmm. and then we met like young people and right. they were like hey uh, can we have your picture for, for Facebook we're like Ooh. what they don't have so they all have mobile phone they don't have they don't have computers obviously they don't have landlines because they're mm. out on the island but connection. they all have their mobile towers they've got better mobile connection than most of germany mm. um, which isn't hard you but see <laughs> that a lot in africa as well there's a lot of um so i think it's malawi or something like that had a better mobile this is year, a few years out of date now sorry but information but they had a faster mobile network in a lot of areas mm. than we had in the uk Yep. at one time and people because people didn't have gone they haven't gone from a desktop to a laptop to a phone they've gone from the first com computer they've got is a phone it's connected to this mobile network so they they've never bothered building an infrastructure for a landline internet if right. you like yep. because they just go mobile which is interesting um i don't know that's about the best opinion i can give i don't know where i'll be in five years but anyway um we got uh yep somebody there with a hand up we've got Another one over there. Kaz has got a hand up after that. We're doing well. We've got about 10, 15, 10 12 minutes, so far away. Yeah. Um, on your earlier point, Fab, absolutely agree with you. We should refer to it as propaganda rather than fake news. Very, mm. very well said. Um, you know, you were saying earlier that you, earlier on you felt that the battleground was open source, and then later on you felt it was privacy. I, isn't it a little, little of both, really? Well, yeah, it's definitely... Like okay, if we go back to be everything being proprietary, obviously that's that's also a big pro big problem. Yeah, so I agree with you on that. Um, what I meant to say is that what I realized is that the so when when we were doing the show and I was younger, I I think I basically thought that if we make everything open source, it would solve like pretty much all our problems. So I was young and very naive yeah, and I very really dumb. I really want to play like live and let die now. When you were young <laughs> and your heart was so even, even I have to agree. <laughs> it's, it's making everything, everything possible open doesn't solve yeah. all problems. But yeah. I think we do have to be very wary. And the things that do protect our privacy, things like common crypto standards, do all need to mm -hmm. open. And we should be very wary. Yeah, that's de definitely, yeah, yeah. You have a good point there. Like if crypto isn't open, it's not crypto. Um, Yep. We had uh, Caroline as well. Um, She's going to ask me about Judge Dredd, isn't she? Judge Dredd? Uh, we all want to talk about that, don't we? I do. Um, all right, then. Uh, I'm going to put you way more on the spot than that. So we were all at FOSTEM together, uh -huh. um, where we all got together and we all went out and we all had a chat and we all had a talk had about waffles. data privacy, didn't we? We had yeah. waffles. We had waffles. And you, you just said then that you know, the, the war was on open source and, and Fab just said, and I agree, the war is on data privacy. Mm -hmm. And you watched me as an educational technologist have a conversation with some of the leading FOSS developers where I went, do you know about our children's data privacy? What mm. kind of things they're using, how their data privacy is being addressed and how young people are becoming more indoctrinated into technology uses? And most of them were like, we are really on open source, we're really on data privacy rights. And a lot of them went, this is happening in our schools. <laughs> and I went, yeah. Mm. Um, and although I think there's this idea that we're from a generation that was, you know, where we were on the cusp, where we've seen it before and we've seen it afterwards, there's a lot of young people now that aren't. And I'm wondering what you guys think then about, you know, I think the war's more uncomfortable with data privacy because we, and I know all three of us that do, probably have some proprietary data on our phones mm. or some proprietary software no, that we I use, do. like you use Google Maps and stuff, and we all go, yeah, yeah it's okay. Loads. But I think when you say, are you okay with your children's information, suddenly everybody becomes very uncomfortable. Mm. And I wonder what you guys think about how that's going to go. 
It's that, an interesting one. Um, it's tip, It's difficult. I mean, going, it links into what we were saying about, um, you know, people not knowing whether software is, is open source or not. Um, loads of people, I mean, I use uh, Google Docs and things like that quite a lot, very much not open source. Um, but Google Classroom is a huge thing, which I know you have an issue with. And when you look at the, what they do with data, they actually sell data, their children's data, to anybody who wants it. Um, and I think most parents and teachers and other people don't know that. Um, so I don't know. What will happen, I don't know. I think if that was more public, if more people knew about it, I think they would be upset. The question is, is that message going to get out? And who's going to spread that message? I think the big problem is there. I think we're in a good position with open source that people don't need to know that stuff is open source because open source has established itself with developers. Mm. So the people who are writing the software as in many ways the only way they can do software. Like if we look at how how people like if the public you know anybody public does software these days they're gonna do it open source right only very big companies can do like really big software projects proprietary project software mm-hmm. projects I mean that that are gonna be used by the public right mm-hmm. um so I think there as long as developers know what's going on and developers start open sourcing things the general public doesn't even have to know it's open source um. I think with with privacy, we have we have the problem that we have a generation growing up. I I feel like this. I might might be the the wrong the wrong person to ask about this because I don't have kids, right? Mm. Um, I don't either. So, I'm but I do sometimes talk to younger people, and I feel like. <laughs> I talk to the kids. I've spoken to young people. I know what they think. (laughs) Yeah. Also, like I, I I get, I get a lot of feedback for stuff I write, Mm -hmm. right? And and there is a lot of feedback from people who who then talk talk to or turn out to be younger, who don't even care and know anything. So I feel like that should be a. A, a thing I don't know if they, they do this, but I, I feel like this is a thing we need to teach in schools. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. We need to teach people about what these companies do with people's data. Yeah, and they have um, like classes on now a bit on you know staying safe yeah. online, which is massively important for kids or that kind of stuff. And I that feel needs like to grow a bit. And I feel like this this must come out of people actually understanding this kind of stuff. As good as the, the I mean, the GDPR has done good. Hmm. for privacy and for people but also like just these blanket laws they also do stuff that people like don't un- like it's it causes all these like cookies like these cookie laws and these cookie warnings hmm. right and you talk to somebody who's like 20 or or, or 15 and they're like well, what's all this why do i have to click all these warnings away of course <laughs> there are cookies yeah. you know that you know but yeah they have me i mean to, to kind of I was saying before, who's going to spread the word on this? I'm going to give a massive plug to people you probably already already know about. But I think like the groups like the Open Rights Group in this country, they're a UK-based thing, but there are others around the world. Um, it's We need to kind of support them in spreading the message and fighting for laws that, that do protect privacy, I think. Um, before we run out too much of time, we have another question, I think, at the back. Yeah, so I kind of think that Privacy and open source are probably orthogonal to each other. Mm-hmm. And on the open source perspective, we've moved a long way. I mean, as a movement, it's kind of moved. But I don't think the war is over. Mm. There are still a couple of big battles, to my mind, coming up. And I think the growth of open core licensing at the moment has to be a real concern for open source software. That's very that true. Is, that is manipulating our terminology to completely undermine our, our, in our kind of ideals. And I think the other kind of dystopia that's going to come up is cloud computing and the massive growth of that. That do we want a world where the entire compute power is controlled by four companies? Mm, uh, yeah, well, I, yeah, you're right. I, I mean, I don't want to particularly see a world like that, but that's kind of the way things are, have been heading, haven't they? I mean, interesting. So you mentioned the open core uh, thing. Something that's happened that we didn't talk about. I mean, there's so much that's happened in the last five years. It's not like we're going to cover it all, uh, unfortunately. But um, one of the big things that have been happening more recently, in fact, is this business of people going, oh, we need to fight Amazon because they're, you know, Amazon Web Services and all this other stuff, and they're taking our product, and, and we need to move to a license where it has to be, it's proprietary for a certain amount of time, and then it becomes open source later, and all these other things. There's all these things going on now where companies are relicensing things and dual licensing things because their argument is we need to compete with 
like Amazon is the one they all cite. What's to stop Amazon taking my product and just offering it as a service? The AGPL. Yeah, well, that is, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is an answer. But a lot of these companies are kind of relicensing things. I think it's a big problem that, that we'll probably, I don't know how that's going well, to be solved. The AGPL would be a great solution. Yeah, one, one of the big songs when we were, the things when we were doing the show, why I was, always was a fan of the GPL because I, in my heart, believe that people are evil. And com <laughs> companies are a collection of people and they're especially evil because they can like spread the blame to somebody else. Um, and I feel like that the permissive licenses, they're good arguments to have permissive licenses, but they cause this kind of thing. You mm. know, with permissive licenses, you can do this kind of thing. You it's, need, you mm. need like the carrot and the stick. You need the stick. Like mm. you need, this is why, you know, always when we're going on with, with Software Freedom Law Center and stuff yeah. and, and Bradley, I was always for that fight. Because you need to you need to make these companies afraid of breaking these licenses. Yeah. Otherwise, we will never. It's one thing I anyway. think we vehemently agree on for many things that we don't. <laughs> one thing that we do is agree on probably, and I know not everyone does, is the the copy left argument. Um, I think that is a big thing. But when you're talking, I mean, AGPL, yeah, I can see that for web services and stuff. But a lot of the companies in those spaces will they'll they don't want that they don't want agpl and, and i think to go back to your point one one bigger problem is that that's kind of what i was getting through to like even if all that code was open source it's still a problem if it's all running on amazon machines and they see everything that go like even if we have good crypto right like you can't mm -hmm. it's you you don't want it to to be all on their machines because if they do something like they can just cut you off like if they deplatform you and think oh we don't like your business model it's our computing power you're off you're you're ruined and yeah. then the other aspect is of course they're going to see who like even if you encrypt everything there's tons of metadata that you can't get rid of you'll you'll see people connecting to things and you will be able to you know and we know that they work with the uh, with mm. intelligence services in the US and that they analyze this kind of stuff mm -hmm. and they analyze all our, of our behaviors in that Yeah, and and because everything, it, it, so you mentioned about where they work in in different places like US. The problem now is that you know companies the size of Google and all these others and Amazon, um, with things like you know data privacy and so on, I can put my data into that cloud, and then they'll say and say to them, please make sure it's only kept on like EU servers and so on. But we're back in the situation where when they go, oh yeah, don't worry, none of it will ever find its way onto another part that's in America or some other country that I don't legally want it to be in. We can't really, can we trust them on that? Because we're trusting that they're going to do what we want them to yeah, do. Yeah, also I don't, why, like, how do we know what they're going to do? I don't care. Once that, it's in the cloud, I'm but, guessing it's everywhere. Yeah, and also if they're saying that the service in Europe, you know the tricks they pull, right? So if the German uh, intelligence agency can't spy on the Germans, they oh, go yeah, to yeah. the French ones and then say, okay, we spy on your citizen, you spy on ours, we'll just exchange all the data, you know? And mm -hmm. it doesn't help you just because it's in Europe, I That's think. true. Um, thank you for the for the question. We've got. I think we may have time. Somebody one burning question there, and then we'll have to wrap up after that. But um, I feel like I should fill as fill by talking. Well, well, there you go. He's made it now. Yeah, you briefly, <laughs> you briefly mentioned that once your data, your own personal private data, is in the cloud, that's it. It's in the cloud. It's worldwide. So, what can we do about how uh, a company called Deep Mind? was able to acquire the medical records for mm. about a quarter of the UK population. And they were given the data, ostensibly for uh, detecting problems with people's eyes and <laughs> problems with people's kidneys. But, you know, that's just a bit of a, a lame duck. You know, we'll just grab all of your medical data on the chance that we might see something. And then since then, despite that company giving assurances that The data was going to be kept private, it was going to be kept in the UK, it was mm. only to be used for uh, those specific tasks. Um, Google has now bought that company. Oh, okay, yeah. What can we do about it? Um, I don't know, to be honest. I think, um, obviously in that case, it's too late now, that's already gone, but I think it's about the licensing, like I talked about data licensing before, like the legality of it and that. How do you do that? The, see, the, the thing that this feels like an escalation to me, does anyone remember, like, I don't know how long ago it was now, maybe 15 years ago, somebody found in a, it was big news at the time, somebody found in like a car park of, say, a little chef or a service station or something, two CD-ROMs that contained like, 
thousands and hundreds of thousands of NHS, uh, not NHS, sorry, national insurance numbers and information that somebody who worked for the like DWP or somebody had been taken from one place to another and just dropped out of their bag. Unfortunately, the situation we're in now is that information is on line then <laughs> they're not leaving it in power parks anymore they could be leaving it somewhere where it can be infinitely replicated and, and shoved everywhere what do we do about it I'm, i don't really have a good answer for that i think maybe more um license more strict licensing of what of the actual data itself who owns the data do you own your medical data does the nhs own it we need to work that out legally somehow i think we also need to be aware of what data we give people like we need to teach people how to do this like in, in schools we need to realize in german we have a beautiful word called datensparsamkeit <laughs> it means to be stingy with your data really um, yes That's the, awesome. the, the kai's that. computer cup uses this quite a lot um, so basically the idea is just think about where you're giving your data what was it Dat datensparsamkeit outlaws <laughs> awesome okay that's done that's the next podcast that's good that's a new name yeah. Datensparsen so, uh, Outlaws Outlaws yeah I'm going to teach you this yeah. can we yes. get Datensparsen Outlaws dot ja <laughs> I don't know if this exists outlaws, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's a good idea I'll work on that awesome um, yeah. um, sorry go on No, we, I, need to, we need to wrap up. In I was going to say, minute. everybody needs to think about where the data is. We need to think about mm -hmm. how they, like, there's no reason they save all this data. It can be deleted at some point. Why is it always uh, in one place? He's holding up a sign again. So, yeah, that's it. Um, thank you all for coming. Yeah. Um, I guess we will see you in, I don't know. I'm making squeaky noises with the mic. Is it like next year for Datensparsamkeit Outlaws? <laughs> Datensparsamkeit Outlaws Live. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, it won't. Maybe, maybe we'll do something again in another five years. We'll see what happens then. We can answer Adam's question. Yeah, and he can ask us again what's going to happen in another five years, and it's like a recursive thing that we can do. Um, and I'm going to feel even older. Yeah. Um, so I want to thank you all for coming and listening and asking questions and generally being awesome. So thank you very much for uh, for being here. Stay free. Yeah. <laughs> stay free, stay open source and stay datensparsam. Very good. Thank Thanks you. guys.